Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. Well, good morning. It's great, great to have you guys. Didn't the little guys do great? Let's give them a hand again. And Pastor Brad did a good job. He's not a little guy, but uh, he did a good job, job too. And it's great to have you guys here today. And, uh, you know, I want to get right into our teaching. We are wrapping up this series, You've Got What It Takes. And, you know, it's really been just super special for me to hear from so many of you and how the, this series has touched so many of your lives. And, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about in this series, and I, I think it's a, a questions, these are questions that we wrestle with our entire life, and um, the questions are really about what's my purpose in life, and um, who am I? You know, th- those are, are some big, big questions that a lot of us are asking ourselves, and uh, I don't think you ever outgrow that question. Um, I, I think whatever age you're at, you're always asking the questions of who am I, and what's my purpose in life, and God, is this all there is? And you know, one of the weeks we, we talked about and we used this illustration about, you know, a lot of us feel like in our life we're just moving rocks and there's no purpose in life. And that's what our life is, just moving rocks from one side to the other. And, man, we're searching. And, you know, God designed you and made you to, to have a purpose. And so you taking time to really discover, to see what you are about and what your, your identity is and your purpose is so important. If you've got your Bibles, grab them, and uh, we are going to be in Psalms 139, Psalms 139, and then also John uh, 21. And, um, you know, before I jump into this, I, I do want to say just a, uh, it's a huge honor to have Pastor Keith's mom and dad here. Uh, Pastor Keith, our worship pastor, uh, a lot of you guys see him every weekend. Uh, may, you may not know his mom and dad are missionaries and, and uh, just doing incredible work, and it's a huge honor to have them here with us today. Let's give them a hand today. I, I, I love sharing this because I, I, a lot of y'all don't know this, but they, they really are celebrities. Um, when I was a kid... Uh, his mom and dad, they were famous in, in the church and missions just because they went to Nepal in a country that a lot of people couldn't even imagine going to live. And this was back in the day and went and started to work there. And so just a huge honor to have them here. You know, uh, when you think about your life and the question of who am I and why am I here, it's important. The Bible says in Psalms 139, 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. It says, I praise you because I am what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. The word fearfully uh, really is a word that talks about honor and respect. Do you know that you were made with great respect and with great honor? And the other word that says wonderfully, that word talks about that you were made uniquely. That you are a unique individual. I know some of you are like, yeah, I'm married to one of those people. They are unique. Um, We're all unique. 
And I know you don't like to think about this, but God put together two people to make you. Some of you are like, I don't want to visualize my mom and dad being together. But God put two people together to make you, and, and everything about you is special. Your eyes, your nose, your ears, your hair, everything about you. It, you know, the fact that you don't have hair or the fact that you do have. Those are things that are special about you. But you think about beyond your physical attributes, what makes you so unique is have you ever thought about the fact that there are certain things that make you cry? Do you know that that's not random? There are things that move your heart. That moves your heart not because it's an accident. It's because God has uniquely created you that way. There are things in your life that make you smile. And that's not an accident. It's who you are. It's the way that God has created you. Everything about you, God has designed you. Do you know that Ephesians chapter 2 talks about that we are God's workmanship. God is, has created us. We are his, his masterpiece. It's, it's like the thought of, if you think about this, is this idea that God is the author of your story. And you have the greatest author of all time that is writing your story. That ought to make you get excited. I know a lot of us look at our story, and if I were to ask you to put a value on your story, you would go, Pastor Stephen, my story's not worth a lot. There's not a lot of value to my story. You look at, at the parts of your life, the messiness of your life, the messy parts of your story, and isn't it true that a lot of us look at our story and we want to rip out some pages? How many of you would love to rip out some chapters? How many of you would like, don't raise your hand, you'd like to just throw the whole book away? <laughs> I want to start all over because my life has been really, really messy. And, and you start to think about that for a moment. And I just told you that God is the author of your story. And we don't place a lot of value in our story. But God is the author of your story. God is the one that has been writing your story. And there are, I know there have been things that, that, that have happened that we don't know why they happened. For some of you, there, there are part of your messiness of your life is that you made some bad decisions. For some of you here, part of the messiness of your life is that other people made decisions that affected you big time. And I want to just say this to you that, that, Look, if you think your story and the messiness of your life has not impacted your story, you're in denial. It has impacted you. But you have a decision to make. You have a choice to make that you're either going to live and process your life through the lens of saying, you know, that the messiness of my life and and all of the junk that's happened in my life, it's really messed up my story, and my story's not going to end well. I don't know. God must not have been paying attention because my story is really a mess. And just stop right there, or you have the, 
the opportunity to say, God, because of your grace and your mercy in my life that are new every single day in my life, God, you are going to use the messiness of my life to create this incredible story that you are writing. Do you know, I think it's important for us to, to come to terms with the messiness in our life and to say that the messiness in my life is a part of who I am. You look at our life and you think about what you've been through and what you've walked through and the things that, that have happened. And, you know, it's so easy to kind of hide, want to hide behind our messiness. And, you know, I, I found this out in my own life is that, that, that the greatest influence that I have on people is when I show my weakness. I think that we're impressed with people's strengths, but you are, you are influenced when you see somebody be so real, so transparent that they say, this is who I am. These are my struggles. This is what I've walked through. This is really the real me. This is my story. God is the author of my story, and these are the things that I've walked through in my life, and this is who I am. There is great power in that, in being able to embrace your story and being able to see that how God works and moves. Brennan Manning said this. He says this, anyone that God uses significantly is almost always deeply wounded in their life. You start to study the Bible and you start to see that every single person God used in the Bible in some way or another, they were deeply wounded. God uses people that are deeply wounded. And I, 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 I say this to you because I think a lot of us feel like that our sin or our wounds or the messiness of our lives, somehow it is, is, it is, is extinguishing God's love or it is erasing God's purpose for our life. And listen to me, just because you've been through some messiness in your life, just because there have been some parts of your story that you want to rip out, doesn't mean that God has stopped writing your story. It means that, that in your life, I, I, I think of the, the scripture in Romans 9.25 where it says, I call nobodies and make them somebodies. I call the unloved and make them beloved. In the place where they yelled out, you're nobody, they're calling you God's living children. The reality is, is that God uses imperfect people to do his perfect will. And I struggled Big time on how to end this series, if I'm honest with you, because I love it when God just at the beginning of the week just says, hey, we're talking about this, and I just feel peace about it, but I don't like it when God, like, keeps me hanging. And all week long, I was like, God, how do, we, how, how do you want to wrap this up? And I could not get away from this fact of that so many of us, we have faced things messy things that either we have done or other people have done in our life. And it is, is so affected us in a way that our view of ourselves and our identity of how we view ourselves, it somehow made us believe that God doesn't have a purpose and a plan for our life anymore. And that we don't wake up every morning believing that we can push through and we can flourish in our life. We're just surviving. And I'm going to tell you something. One of the saddest things you will ever see is when you see a soul that is just surviving. Because God created you for more. 
God, the writer, the author of your story, the way that he is writing your story, he's writing it to be more than you being defined by what you have been through in your life. See, this is the power of God's grace and God's mercy in our life. This is the power of the second chance that we serve a God that is continually showing his grace and his mercy in our life. See, I think a lot of us don't know how to rise above in our life, our past, and rise above all the messiness in our life because we don't really understand God's grace. We're somehow, the perception we have of our life is that it's got to be somehow perfect. And somehow it's only certain kinds of people that God uses. And listen to me, this has been a struggle in my life. Because I grew up in, uh, in the generation that, that as a kid, I always believed pastors were perfect. And they never had a struggle. I grew up in a generation that the impression that I got in church was pastors sit there, man, they, they wore a tie and a white shirt all day long and they prayed all day. I'm like, I don't want to wear a tie. And if I'm honest, I'd get tired. Of, I don't want to pray all day. I know that sounds not, doesn't sound real spiritual, but it's the honest truth. And, you know, I've, I've been very transparent with you guys about a messy part of my life has been the struggle that I've had with anxiety and panic. And that the anxiety of my life, and for years, my panic and my anxiety in my life, I, I felt like it was disqualifying me from ever being able to be a pastor. That even when I got into the ministry, the anxiety and the panic attacks and stuff that were, were just beating me up as a youth pastor, I was like, God, I'll stay as a youth pastor, but don't think that I want to be a pastor because I can't deal with this if people knew. And one of the most freeing moments in my life as a pastor was when I was able to come to Creekwood and, say, and be transparent about it and say, this is a part of my messiness. This is a part of my story and that you know that God is, is writing my story and God's been able to use that messiness in my life to bring glory to God. And I think of some of the, the powerful moments in my own life where, where this, this area of my life that is a little messy that has made me go, God, this, I struggle with this area, God. This made me want to be more and more and more closer to God. And I want to show you the story of this guy. And a lot of you have grown up in church. You've probably heard people talk about this guy by the name of Peter. And I love Peter because I love how the Bible is so transparent about him. And he just, you know, Peter was, if you look in the New Testament, he did so much. The church today would not be what it is today if it weren't for Peter. Peter was an incredible leader, an unbelievable man of faith and changed the world because of his relationship with Jesus Christ. But there's a side of him that you didn't know probably, a side of him that he had anger problems. Peter is a person that was very impulsive. You read about him, he had this unbelievable gift of sticking his foot in his mouth, always saying the wrong stuff. The most consistent thing about Peter was that he was inconsistent. He was always just doing some crazy stuff. It's me- his life is messy. It's, it's crazy 
to think that a guy like this guy, that is, his life is so messy, that his story has is, is got parts that are so messy, that God could use him in a way. I mean, I think of the, one of the biggest like, things that stand out to me is you read, go read the story when Jesus is about to be crucified. Jesus is about to be crucified, and Peter's been with him. And the biggest moment of Peter's life where he's, he's going to just kind of go, man, I'm going to take this to another level. The Bible says that he denies the existence of Jesus Christ three times. You talk about, that is a major boo-boo. Like, there is no pretty way to say that. This guy messed up. He denied Jesus. Jesus is crucified. He resurrects, and, and he appears back to the disciples, and Peter is, is struggling. Peter's struggling so much with shame that Peter's gone back to who he used to be. Peter has failed so bad in his life that he, what he believes is that he's got to go back to what he was before he met Jesus. You know that shame will always make you believe that you've got to go back to who you used to be. That you're always going to be who you used to be. That God could never use a person like you. And so Peter is back there. He has has eaten up with shame. He goes back to his old life. He believes that he's always going to be a fisherman. And you pick up this story because it's an interesting interaction between Jesus and Peter and the disciples. In verse 9, it says, when they got there, he's talking about the disciples. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over charcoal and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, which I always think it's just really interesting, the details that the Bible shares with shares, there were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, and now here's the series of questions that he starts to ask him. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. When he says this, what he's basically telling him when he says, feed my lambs, he's he's saying, you know, I just want you to take care of people. And you remember that I told you a few weeks ago that to find purpose in your life is is you've got to remind yourself that life is about people. That if your life is, is, is built around what you do and not the people that are, are, are in your life, you're, you're missing the purpose. That your purpose is found in making a difference in people's lives. And he says, I want you to take care of people. What's he doing here is he's calling Peter back to his original calling. To Peter's original purpose, which Peter has given up on at this point because of the shame and the guilt in his life. He's given up on it. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. 
that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said then, feed my sheep. Peter is so frustrated with Jesus because he's like, Jesus, I know I messed up, but why do you got to keep asking me this question? Peter's right. Jesus did know this. See, the questions were not for Jesus. The questions were for Peter. Because Peter is a man that is struggling with his failures, struggling with the messiness of his life. And all Jesus is doing is telling him and reminding him of his purpose. He's reminding him that his grace is greater than any monumental mistake that you've ever made in your life. Can you imagine Peter's heart? And he's like, Jesus, I'm so sorry that I did this. And Jesus is just like, I know you love me. You just stay on course and stay on your path and continue to do what I've asked you to do. To me, this is such a powerful illustration, a powerful moment that ought to encourage all of us here in this place to no matter how messy your life is, no matter what you've walked through. There are people here that have walked through divorce. There are people that have walked through some horrible things in your life. There are people here that, that you have done things that you, you're like, man, there's no way that God can use my life. I would tell you, look at the life of Peter and see that God can use your life. And God will use your life. If you will make the decision to say, you know what, I choose to allow the messiness of my life to allow God's grace and God's mercy to enter into that part of my life and allow that forgiveness to take place and God to use that part of my story to make a difference in somebody's life. You know, there are some things that happen in our lives that I have no idea why they happen. And I honestly can't tell you why they happen, and I, I, I believe that we're, some of the things we're not going to know until we get to heaven. We're not. There are parts of our life that, that you think of, why God? But I've seen that even in my own life that there have been moments that you've got to be able to wrestle through, wrest, not wrestle, but wrestle <laughs> Some of you are like, yes, wrestling, but it's not real. Um, <laughs> wrestle through it. But yes, you are messed up. But yes, God's love for your life and how God cares about you is beyond anything you could ever imagine. I love what Tim Keller says about this. He says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. You got to wrestle through that and understand that, yes, we we live in a broken world and there are things that happen in our life continually that are going to continually press us and push us and push us to the edge that we believe that that the way God's writing our story and it's not going to work out. I I think of, of... Man, automatically, a huge moment in my life, in my wife's life, and and I've shared this before with you guys, but right after we got married, 
A man broke in our home and attacked my wife. And I'm telling you, after that moment, it destroyed us. And we were like, we just hadn't even been married a year. I didn't want to be in the ministry. I didn't want to do anything. But do you know that through all of that and God's healing in our own life, and God's healing in my wife, that God's been able to use that for us to be able to make a difference in other people's lives. That some of the decisions that we made after the, the messiness of the, the horrible, horrific thing of walking through something like that in our own lives and a guy breaking in our home and attacking my wife. And I'm going to tell you something. I know some of you are sitting there and you're looking and you're thinking about your life and you're saying, my life is so messy, so complicated. It is, there's no way that God could ever use me. I would tell you this, is that God will use you if you will allow him to. That God wants to continue to write your story. And, and if you will allow him not to walk in this the bitterness and the resentment and the anger and all of the stuff, the shame that happens after all this stuff that happens in our life, you will allow him to come and heal your life. God will continually, as he writes your story, to use you, to bring glory to his name, to reach out, to make a difference in people's lives. There are going to be moments, and, and I, I, I so felt as we wrapped up this series is that I needed to tell you is this, is that, listen, you are messed up, and you are going to make mistakes. There are going to be people around you that are going to make mistakes. There are going to be people around you that are going to hurt you. Get over it. They're going to hurt you. It's a part of life. It's a part of living in a sinful world. But don't you dare for a moment allow any individual on this planet to keep you from reaching your destiny. It can keep you from realizing that God, the author of your life, is writing your story. I want to just jump to verse 18 and show you just very quickly another part of this. Because I think that this is, it's really interesting to me when you, you begin to look at the story and, and really Peter's struggling with two things. One is, is, is the shame is eating him up and he's not dealing with what, what, what he, the messiness of his life. He doesn't want to deal with it. He's going back. What he does instead of really starting to really understand this is he starts to compare and he starts to look at other people's lives and look, look at what happens in verse 18. Jesus is trying to motivate him, which I think is kind of funny the way Jesus does this. He says, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Does that motivate y'all? <laughs> I'm like, that does not sound like fun. I don't want anybody dressing me and telling me where to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Oh, let me just go do this. Then Jesus told him, follow me. These are weird things. Number one, you look on this. Jesus did some weird things. First of all, he, fished, he, he fed them fish for breakfast. I don't want to eat fish at breakfast. Second thing is that he gives him this motivational speech that's kind of weird. He's... Basically, this boils down to, he's telling us, listen, if, 
you living out your purpose in life is going to be a lot harder than you think. So go ahead and accept it. Go ahead and understand. Listen, you following Christ and you, you doing what God has made you to be, it's going to be tough. It's, it's not supposed to be easy. And what's really interesting to me is, is that you look in verse 20. It says, Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Peter's response is basically, I understand my path, but what about John? And, and it, what's he doing? He's deflecting to John. And isn't it, isn't it true that a lot of times what we want to do is we want to compare ourselves, and this is why we judge other people, is when we feel bad about ourselves, we're going to look at everybody else. Instead of just allowing ourselves to be healed and to walk through what we need to walk through, we want to focus on other people. And listen to me, how different would Christianity and the church be if we would just focus on following Jesus instead of focusing on people? Too many of us, instead of just focusing on following Jesus through our stuff and saying, Jesus, you heal me, you work through this, you're the writer of my story, I'm going to trust you in the midst of this. What we want to do is we want to say, well, God, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Did you see what so-and-so's doing? Let me go post on Facebook a little bit about what they're doing. Man, you know, Obama. Y'all like, is he talking about Obama in church? Trump or whatever. I don't know. And it's easy just to kind of kick somebody instead of just going, I need to focus on my own path. And this is what Jesus tells him. He says, I don't want you focused on other people's path. You focus on your own path. Worry about yourself. This is important. You, as you move forward in in your life and you're finding your purpose and your identity, remind yourself to say, you know what, I need to just focus on my path and what is it that God is calling me to do. Focus on my path. There's a a really funny little YouTube video that you've probably seen, and I wanted to show it to you because I think it so illustrates this point here. We're going to watch it real quick. Why about yourself? Why about yourself? Can I help? No. I'll help. I don't. You can help one more out to you, okay? You can help when we are out to you. Okay. Do you have this to see? Probably. You want me to help, Rose? No. Thank you. No, thank you. What do you want me to do? What about yourself? <laughs> what about yourself? I'll do this one, so I'm going to do that. You drive! <laughs> what about yourself? Go drive! Go! <laughs> you know that little girl's heard that somewhere. <laughs> y'all be honest. How many of y'all, if you would have done that as a little kid, you would have been shot out of the car by like a torpedo? <laughs> Your parents put it like, bam, you're out of here. You know... Your path that Christ has called you to be, the path that you're walking and you're pursuing your destiny and your purpose in your life, it's so easy to get caught in in the ruts of shame or the rut of comparison. And Peter is, 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 is 
struggling with the shame and getting caught in the rut of shame or getting caught in the rut of comparison and looking at other people. And Jesus just says to him, he says, look, would you just focus on following me? Would you just follow me? Would you just keep me at the center of your life and just follow me and trust me and allow me to do what I do best? To work in your life and to use your story to make a difference. Your story is worth a lot. It's far more valuable than anything you could ever imagine. And I pray that, that as we walk through this series, that something inside of you has, has began to, once again, believe that your story, your life, that when you look at your, at, at your identity and your purpose, that you start to believe that, you know what, I was made for this. That I will not let one chapter, one page define the rest of my life. My story is continually being written. That God, through my story, is going to make a huge difference in this world. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a few moments. And I, I want to pray over you today. And I know that there are people here today that and you feel like somebody's kicked you in the gut. Life is just one thing after another. And the last thing on your mind has been, man, what, who am I and what did God create me to be? What is God's purpose for my life? I pray that you would allow the Holy Spirit to heal, to work in your life today. That you would allow that, that, that shame to be pushed out by the grace and the mercy of God that loves you beyond anything you could ever imagine. God's peace, God's healing in our life of all the wounds, of all the brokenness in our life. God, I pray that you would help us, God, to to find wholeness, to find peace in you today. God, we are all broken people. And God, it is through your love and through your grace and through your mercy, God, that we find healing, we find restoration. And Father, I just pray over every person here today, God, 
that our belief system, God, that our vision for our life, God, would, would begin to rise to a level that we would say, God, with your help, God, I'm going to continue to walk. God, with your help, I'm going to continue to push forward into the future that you have for my life, the calling that you have. God, the passions, the things that break my heart, the things that move my heart, God. God, with your help, God, I'm going to walk and pursue that, God. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.